All right, and I'm joined today with Danny Janacucci, who is one of the co-leaders of the New Alchemy Jazz Orchestra. And correct me if I'm wrong, there's four of you? Holden? That's right. That's right. It's okay. uh, myself and uh, Mike Sailors, John Lake, and Steve Ortica. That's right. Um, you know, I'm just going to have to start there. How did that happen? Uh, well. <laughs> that's, that's, that's interesting because, like, again, you know, there's some of the big bands we work with, like Terraza and whatnot, who are co-led. <laughs> with two mm-hmm. people um mm-hmm. and now you guys have four so what happened there man well i think with any big band it definitely helps to have more people involved it's a it's a big undertaking and so any big band it's nice when you know certain things are taken care of by different roles and things like that but we got started really just in an interest for our, for writing writing for big band so we didn't think that this was going to be a whole thing and that we would record music and that we would do shows it started out that we were all kind of just like, well, we've all got a lot of big band charts. Maybe we should have them played and not just, you know, sit in our computers. Um, so we started doing these reading sessions uh, a couple years back and they were about monthly and we would just start to have our stuff played and we would be writing a lot more. And um, eventually we were like, OK, maybe we should book a show. <laughs> and the rest is history. So, OK, would you... You do, you're a trumpet player, which is awesome because I personally think it's the best instrument out there. Oh, um, it's very true. If you do a lot of projects, would you, where would you consider this lies in like your hierarchy of projects? Like, is this like something that you put at the utmost importance? You, you know, your mm-hmm. small group, your personal big band, because I saw that you, mm-hmm. you know, you had that project too. Like, how do you, where, where do you see yourself and what you like doing? Um, they're all pretty much even right now. Uh, yeah, okay. like you mentioned, I do my own big band. I've been doing some stuff on the West Coast, and then I also have a seven-piece group. Um, so they're all really important. I wouldn't say that any given time I'm like really focused on one over the other, except when there's like a show, you know, the next day, and then I'm frantically trying to write music or things like that, and that's when things take priority. But as of right now, it's all pretty even. They're all you know, working a fair amount where they, they take about the same amount of time. Yeah. And how, um, so, okay. Did you, I don't, I don't it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, you know, rapping. And of course it probably helps, you know, having two big bands or whatnot. Cause at least you can, mm-hmm. you're, you're just writing and it doesn't matter which band is playing necessarily. But when you were going through college and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. where did you decide like, Hey, I'm going to be a band leader. And this is the sure. kind of projects I want because even like a seven piece group is not necessarily as standard, I guess you could say, maybe as mm-hmm. a quintet or something. Like it's a little bit more involved, uh, especially at least on the writing front. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like writing for more instruments. I think that, uh, like I said, it is a, a kind of a labor of love to get all this music together and, and call people and organize. It, it takes a lot more work, but to me, it's so much more satisfying to have my writing played by more people. And there's just a community aspect of it. And I think it's that community aspect that really drew me to big band at a young age. So I actually started leading a big band when I was just out of high school. I think I was about, you know, 19 or something like that. And that just started from, you know, again, just I was buying charts and I started to write a little bit and I decided, you know, um, it's time to just call a bunch of musicians I know and get them together and start playing some shows. And so I had been leading a big band through college. Um, and that's where I met, um, Alexa Barshini, who's featured on some of our tracks. We actually went to college together at, um, Temple University in Philadelphia. 
and uh, we've been making music since then. And, but it's I think it's really that community element that um that really draws me to large ensemble music. The fact that there's so many different types of people that bring different things to the table, and that you know you can write anything that you think you have in your head, but somebody's going to interpret it and play it in a way that really brings a lot to the music. Okay, man, you're just like you're 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 hitting on a lot of things that I'm that I'm dealing with right <laughs> now as a musician. So this is why like wheels are turning. So when you who okay, let's start simple. Who are some of your big favorite composers like that you check out for big band writing or small group writing? You know something, just like arrangers and whatnot. Like who are you? Some of your sure. top five or something? Yeah, I mean, I think what I'm listening to is pretty much what I've been listening to for the last several years for big band writing, and that's a lot of Thad Jones, a lot of um, Quincy, a lot of Ellington Strayhorn, uh, Mingus as well as like Billy Byers and a lot of the stuff. Um, I've been really getting into a lot of vocal arrangements and things like that. Hmm. So there's a whole slew of arrangers that really knew how to make the vocals shine over a big band. And that's kind of what I've been interested in. Yeah. And then how did you, when it finally got time to put it into practice, I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, depending on your experience in school, but the way we were taught at least was it was a, it, we were taught to uh, write through a way of emulation. You know, you would study mm-hmm. somebody for a little bit and then you'd say, okay, go write this in the style of, uh, account basis solely or something, you know, right. or study with monk tune and then write a monk tune and, and based hmm. upon these factors. So now that you're out of school, you're doing your own thing. How do you balance, um, obviously the killing stuff that you've heard from that Jones or whatnot. And you've been sure. like, wow, that's bad. Let me write it. And then balance, well, I'm Danny and this is mm-hmm. Dan. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I think and it's a big dilemma that a lot of students go through when they're in school. Like, where do I find my own sound? And like, maybe I don't want to emulate things because I really want to be individual and I want it to be unique. But I, I've been transcribing big band arrangements for a long time now, even, you know, before I could really write. It, that was kind of my way of learning was just cr- transcribed as much as I could, try to hear as much of those voicings. And then, like you said, try to emulate it. But I think that, that that really is one of the best things about arranging is learning how to write like other people's styles. And with my first big band record, that was kind of the gist of it was um, was to create um, an album that represented different eras of big band music. So I was contacted to create this music for film and television, and they needed basically sound alikes for all of these great, you know, um, different big band eras and so that was literally kind of the assignment was like all right now you're going to do a bassy tune and now you're going to do a a bluesy number now you're going to do a benny goodman up tempo and now you're going to do all this so i really had to do a lot of research like okay i know what those sound like but like what's really going on like what what's the difference in the um, structure and of course the voicings and what the rhythm section is doing i think that was like a really big way for me to eventually try to find my voice, but to yeah. understand what other people's voices were when it came down to really the, uh, the details. Okay. Uh, so to continue the track of loaded questions here, sure, um, sure. when you, when you write and you're not, you're not arranging, you know, and uh, let's not even say like you're doing a project like that. Like they're saying like, Hey, we need something. You're like, you know, you're commissioned, but you're just mm-hmm. writing for, for Danny. Where do you, um, where do you begin? Because sometimes when I write, it feels like a game of darts and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. a good game, you know? Yeah. 
you're just like plunking out ideas and you're hoping something sticks, but the majority of them, you're like, wow, this sounds like crap. Um, so <laughs> yeah. what is your, what is your method there? Are you one of those people that, um, like when you ask some people, they say, well, I try to set, uh, uh, limitations at first and uh -huh. compose within those limitations or other people say, um, you know, maybe they're, they're trying to, uh, exploit a melodic or, or rhythmic device. And that's the mm -hmm. goal of that. Um, but, and, you know, I'm sure that you have tons of compositions where it's kind of sitting at home and you're like, no, this isn't going to see the light of day yet. But how, right. what is your, how do you start? Where do you, where do you go? Do you do harmony? Do you go trumpet first? Mm -hmm. Like, do you hear melodies mm -hmm. first? What do you, what do you do? That's, that's a really good question. And I think it's one that kind of happens on a case by case basis. I think every tune, composition and arrangement have kind of happened in a different way for me, hmm. whether that's, um, Maybe I heard something sometimes and I'm like, oh, I want to write something kind of like that. Or maybe it's like, okay, I'm going to sit down and like, like you said, kind of give myself limitations. But I think the biggest thing for me that I've learned through all of these different methods is to really have a plan and to write it down. So I have a little journal that I always take out when I'm working on a new piece and I write down all these ideas. I'm like, okay, well, I want it to be this kind of tempo and this kind of vibe. Um, I want it to feature maybe these soloists. And maybe this kind of rhythmic or harmonic concept. And I write that all down so I can just look at it. And then I usually, it takes me a while to really get started on something, really, where you get into the, um, the groove of the writing. So I'm kind of just like thinking about that stuff. And then sometimes I'll listen to some recordings, try to hear how other people have done those things, and then kind of dive in once I feel like I've done enough kind of thinking about it to where things will start to fall into place. But really, I'm not a quick writer. I would say yeah. I, I definitely spend a lot of time thinking about these things and certainly editing. I think that's one of my biggest things is that I will usually bring something into a um, rehearsal setup or have it played by a band and I'll record it and I'll go listen to it. And nine times out of 10, I just won't be happy with <laughs> a good portion <laughs> of it. And then it's back to the drawing board. And I think that that's where I've learned the most was just not kind of not being satisfied. Like I've never heard a chart play the first time and was like, okay, that's good. You're right, that's right, never right. happened. Never happened once in my life. It's always like, okay, that was good, but the rest of it was not good. So how do I make the good part more of it and just edit out all the bad things? And I, I think that I know a chart is done when I don't hate any of it. It's not that I love, you know, the whole thing. It's just like, none of it is something that i'm like cringing at um right and then it's done <laughs> no that's that's the best description because i don't know about you i hate hearing myself play mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. i talked to someone one time and they're like yeah man you don't ever actually get to the point where you like it you just hate it a little less right yeah i think that's that's super accurate and the same thing for writing as well as playing yeah so do you play a lot with the new alchemy band or do you mostly conduct it well I do play a little bit, sometimes just a solo or play a melody, but typically my duties with that group is to be upfront um, conducting, just making sure that everything is cool with the form, that we all know what we're doing, um, things like that. So with that project, it is more of a conducting upfront kind of thing. Yeah. Is that, um, is that weird for you? I don't think it's weird because there's already so many great trumpet players. As I mentioned, two of the other yeah. co-leaders, uh, Mike Sailors and John Lake, they both split lead trumpet duties and they both play solos. 
and uh, there's a whole mess of trumpet that's going on between the two of them, um, right. and of course the other trumpet players that we bring into the band. So I always feel like there's enough trumpet happening that I don't need to <laughs> add yeah, to it. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I can't contribute much more <laughs> to that. So I, f- I feel like I can contribute um, in other ways with the uh, upfront duties and the organizational side of things. So yeah. Now, how do you? Um... So you've said that you've kind of always seen yourself as as a composer. It's something that you love to do. And I think there's definitely some musicians that love it and some musicians that despise it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, in jazz, it's interesting because even if you say you hate composing, you kind of do to a point, let's be honest, mm-hmm. when you solo. Um, mm-hmm. Right. How do you feel this has influenced your, your playing? Like when you are soloing, because I think of people like, like a Bob Brookmeyer, who's an amazing composer and amazing valve trombonist and pianist and whatnot. And you can almost hear um, the, the methodical approach when it comes time for him Mm -hmm. to solo, you know, it's very thematic based. So how have you found it influenced you and, and opened up your eyes as a, as a trumpet player and less as a composer? Yeah. I I don't know if it's necessarily a conscious thing that I've ever like sat down and thought about, like, hmm, maybe like, this idea that I've been playing should be transferred into the writing or vice versa. I think it's just as I listen to more music and listen to my peers and kind of develop an ear for hearing certain melodies and rhythms that it kind of just goes into both naturally. Um, that it's, it's not really a forced thing. It's, it's just happening over time and constantly evolving. Um, another artist that I really love, as you mentioned, like Bob Brookmeyer is, is Thad Jones someone who just had an amazing sense of melody and is so full of surprises and it's so unique and it's so himself, but it's really very present in, of course, his writing and his playing. So, yeah. Now, I mean, I I hear that. So have you ever uh, thought about doing a bigger project, like something bigger than just a big band, whether it's combining it with strings or whether it's, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's, or like a multi-movement work? Yeah, I did. I did something like that when I was in college. Um, okay. I had a period of time where I wasn't able to play because of an injury. Uh, it was my senior year of school, and I couldn't play trumpet at all. So I was playing a little bit of valve trombone and trying to get my chops back together. But that was basically the extent of my brass playing. And so I had a whole year um, with you know nothing to do. I couldn't go to my ensembles. I couldn't play in the big band. I couldn't practice. And so that's really when my writing kind of took off. And I did write a five movement piece for strings and um, an instrumental uh, jazz septet. So it was septet plus strings, uh, string okay. octet. So and that was a five movement thing. And yeah, that, that was kind of my first thing going into like a longer piece that was all through composed. How did you, um, how did you approach that? Because that's, that's like even a bigger project, obviously, yeah. because now you got to look at, less of tune to tune, even though that's still important, mm-hmm. but you got to think about the overall, overall thematic approach. Right. Um, it was that something where you were like, like you wrote out an idea, like, uh-huh. like, you know, in words <laughs> and said like, this is how I want to break this down. Or sure. how'd you, how'd you go about that? That one was kind of a unique one. As I said before, like kind of every piece has its own different life. And yeah. that one was unique in that I actually didn't write most of it down until I was done playing it on the piano so that one was kind of an interesting one where i feel like i did most of it from memory playing it on the piano every day like i said i had so much time i would play the intro on the piano then i would get into the piece and then i would keep playing 
And then I would go back and I'd be like, all right, I want to change this. And I would just keep playing it over and over. So the point that I could play the whole work through on piano. And then when I was like, okay, this is all pretty good. Then I wrote it down and then I edited it and kind of changed things around and needed to hear some things. But so, yeah, that one was pretty much all at the piano. I think just because I felt I needed to practice something right. with without the uh, with the absence of the trumpet practicing, I was just practicing piano. And so writing at the piano started to feel a lot more natural as my technique improved at least a little bit. And I was taking piano lessons at the time. So it all kind of seemed organic in that way. But that's not necessarily how I do things now. Sometimes I just write straight from my head or, you know, straight into the computer, things like that. Man, that's not, you know, because, uh, yeah, it was unfortunate that obviously you couldn't play trumpet for that year. But besides mm-hmm. that, man, I think you just described every professor's dream student. Like, hey, go sit at the piano and <laughs> shed piano and then write music, you know? Um, yeah. That's yeah, not it was so- great. What do you experience. do when you're not doing music, man? Like what, which I know it might be a tough question, but what is your escape from all of this? Yeah. Well, I think a recent escape that's been really wonderful is um, I've been learning how to swing dance and do Lindy hop. And this is um, something that I've been learning from my girlfriend, who's an excellent dancer. And she's been teaching me a whole different side of the music that I just was totally unaware of is just, you know, how to move to it. And I didn't come from a dancing background and definitely right. don't don't feel comfortable moving my body. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like always just like, all right, you know, I'm going to be on stage and play. But um, she's definitely been showing me a whole nother world. So we've been we've been around the world um, playing, playing some bands that play for dancers. And she's been coming along and dancing. And it's been a wonderful um, experience, um, not only just to move, but also to hear music in a different way. Um, to hear rhythm in a different way and to really feel it and internalize it. So even though it seems like it's like, you know, dancing is so different, I feel like it's actually been informing my music. So, yeah. I get that because, okay, see, so I've done some of those gigs too. I mean, certainly not like mm-hmm. around the world or anything, but it's weird because all the dance, you know, we're just playing tunes after you've gone, you know, right. whatever. And then, uh, of course, like you, you play it in a different style than you would, you know, mm-hmm. play at Smalls or something. but right. Then all the dancers come up and they're like, why don't you come dance? You're like, no, 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 no. That's, you don't understand. (laughs) Like that is where the boundary meets. And it really is like night and day. And they can't wrap their hand around it. They're like musicians don't dance necessarily. And I'm just like, I don't think you understand how awkward we feel sometimes trying to do it. So (laughs) sure. Yeah. I think, I think musicians are um, inherently kind of introverted. I think that that is like pretty much across the board true most of the time. Yeah, And so dancing seems like the exact opposite. It's like getting up and doing something silly for everyone to see. And especially when it's like a music you're so passionate about, you want to take it seriously. It's like weird to get up and like try to express yourself in this different way. And um, but like I said, it's 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 a totally different way of looking at the music and right. feeling um, tempos like my my concept of tempos has completely changed after learning how to dance. You know, it was like jumping at the woodside. I was like, okay, you know, like that's that's pretty pretty quick, you know, like three hundred. But now let's take some tunes at like two fifty, and like musicians are like, all right, like it's not like super fast. But then you know, when you dance to a tune like that, you're like, oh, that is exhausting. That is right <laughs> to dance at a fast tempo. So it's kind of changed my whole perspective on a lot of things. Musically. Yeah, and that's that's nuts because I think we're always told, you know, there's like the 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 comparison of you should always play like it's your last time playing or whatnot. And so we try mm-hmm. to get to this point where we can like 
um, emotionally put ourselves out there. But the second you tell someone to like, all right, now move while you do it, it, right. it throws it for a curveball. Um, yep. Yep. So how did you deal with that though, as a, as a writer, like get the, the um, emotional maturity to be able to understand your, your feelings and, and, and Danny's beliefs on certain things hmm. to then be able to go and put that into music. Yeah, that's a, that's a kind of a long-term uh, personal thing. That's, that's kind of changed over time. Um, I think, yeah, it comes from what has inspired me to write. And sometimes if I find that I'm getting a little bit too analytical or a little too, um, in the nitty gritty of composition, like think about intervals and like, Oh, voicings. Like sometimes I'll just stop and try to write something that is inspired by something like, you know, maybe it's prospect park or maybe it's, um, a vacation to a beautiful place that I can remember and like put myself there and walk around and, I'm always trying to draw things or maybe it's about someone I know, a friend or a family member. And somehow that can like totally make you forget about all the technique and all of the, um, you know, details. And then you start to hear the music for something that's a little bit more um, deeply personal. And I think that has kind of been my method, like write, write things about people, places and things. Hmm. Yeah. Would you say, uh, do you write and I mean, I'm sure what you do to some extent, like technical abilities, but do you write for the members of your band? Like specifically think of like, I'm this, this is a sax player. Like I think of when I want to hear this play. Absolutely. I think that's one of the coolest things about writing and music and just being a part of a musical community is that at any time, I kind of know what all of my, my friends sound like, and I know how they're going to play something before they play it, which is such a cool feeling that, you know, from playing with people for years and years. That's just like such a great thing that you get to develop. Um, and that happens for the instrumentalists as well as the vocalists. I, I really like to know that like, I can tell what's going to sound good for a certain vocalist or not just because I've heard them enough times. So when I'm writing something, I always try to sing what they sound like in my head and I'll go, Oh, okay. Maybe that's a little bit higher. That's a little bit low for them. Like, and the same thing is true for the instrumentalists. I think like, Oh yeah, this is like a nice range for this person to play or like, this person will destroy a solo over this groove or this vibe. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of always trying to think about how to highlight people and make sure that people are um, getting their best opportunity to play. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's interesting you bring that up because I think we're always taught, you know, like, Hey, this is the range of the trumpet from this note to mm -hmm. this, note. but then you, you kind of start to take into consideration. Well, you know, so-and-so playing the trumpet, sounds best in this range. Like this is where their right. voice is in that range versus this other range. Uh, you know, and I don't know, maybe that seems more obvious to other people when you talk about like lead trumpet versus something else, but it's, it's sure. definitely consideration. Um, well, it's, it's true for every instrument. I think that's what's, what's so interesting is that, you know, when you start to write for all the woodwinds, it's like every instrument has its own specific character in different ranges and how much they're going to cut or how much they're going to blend is really about, how the passage works and that kind of ties into what I was saying earlier about I'm really not satisfied when I hear things the first time it's like oh okay like that didn't work range wise or like oh okay that could be like a third higher and it would be sound better and things like that so it's kind of a constantly evolving process I hear you now to kind of get back to to what's been coming out recently man you guys have been putting out these singles what was the right. uh what was the goal there like what do you guys just want to do something is it 
is it part of something bigger coming up? What's the, uh, what was the intent and how did you choose what you were going to release? Yeah. So we, we got, um, contacted by GSI studios and they, they said they were really interested in working with us, um, specifically to record some big band music in their studio in Manhattan. And so we thought it was a great opportunity to get in there and record a couple of songs. And we were like, okay, what if we did four songs and do one by each of the uh, co-leaders, one arrangement mm -hmm. by each of us. So we did four tunes. And then we said, you know, we've been talking about doing a full length album probably in the next year or so, but this would be a great way to just get in, um, get the band in the studio, see how everything went. Um, get some stuff up there and put it out there for people to check out before we uh, start to do a full length album. We hope that, you know, people will hear it. It'll kind of get a little bit more um, traction going with, um, you know, kind of our live shows and promoting for things as well as just the experience. I mean, I personally just love being in the studio. It's always been something that I've always enjoyed. Um, and so getting them there with a big band, that it was just so much fun. It was it was a great opportunity to kind of um, get really, really picky about ensemble passages and really highlight some of the soloists. Um, it's definitely a part of something bigger, and we're definitely using it to kind of springboard and do more things. So we're looking forward to that. So for you, you know, as I'm sure you've been in the studio before this and whatnot, um, you're part of this for other people, you know or three other people, I guess four total that run this band. Mm -hmm. uh, and you go, Hey, we're going to record this project or multiple tunes, however you want to view it. Um, what were some of the things that were just like, wow, I did not expect this to be as difficult as it was, you know, <laughs> logistically, like as the band leader and you look back on, you're like, Ooh, I'm, I'm going to be better prepared for that round too. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things. I think that's the biggest part about, um, leading a band that you don't realize as a sideman. It's like sideman, you just show up, you know, get your instrument out, you know, you, you know, put a little cork grease on there, you put a little valve oil, you're like getting ready to play and then boom. And, you know, you're hoping that your practice and everything will just help you nail the part. With band leading, there's just like so many other little factors you don't even think about um, as far as like travel and carrying. I mean, our suitcase of charts, we have a suitcase and it weighs. <laughs> an exorbitant amount that I am not comfortable carrying <laughs> with instruments and, you know, and scores and folders. It's these right. kind of things that you don't really realize like, Oh, this is just a ton of work. I think that that, um, for us, I mean, always getting into the studio and mixing is always like a new experience every single time, depending on the, um, the room. Um, it was actually a really great process that we enjoyed doing but it definitely like it took some intense listening to be like, all right, how we, how do we want the drums to sound? How do we want the horns to to be panned and things like that? That was a really big part of it that we hadn't really talked about uh, beforehand until we got in there. We were like listening to everything together. And of course, everybody has like different ideas and different tastes that we were able to like kind of bounce back at each other. Um, yeah. Did you, so each one of these singles, um, you know, two are out now. We got two more coming this year. Um, each one of them is kind of like a, a different person's uh, project out of the, you know, co-leaders. How much um, wiggle room is there for for the rest of you guys to chime in on someone else's? And I'm sure that you guys don't hate that, but any means. But how do you how do you deal with that? Of like, hey, this is all of our bands technically, but mm -hmm. this is 
you know, this is his project. This is Mike's project. This is my, my, my tune. You know, how do you, how do you balance that? And then maybe wear different hats in the different moments, or do they kind of default to you as a conductor and let, you know, say like, Hey, this is my intention, but Danny, Mm -hmm. tell me what you, what, what do you hear from up there? Like, what do you think it should go like? Yeah. I mean, I think we, we, we all kind of have a pretty good sense of what we want things to sound like. And we have different opinions about things like that. But for the most part, I would say our musical senses are very in line, which is helpful. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think more so than not. And I think that that's what kind of made it um, a reason why we wanted to start doing this in the first place, because we all, we all kind of knew what sound we were going for. Um, so as far as like kind of talking about other people's things like that, I think we're all pretty open to be like, okay, maybe this should be, a muted passage or even we we take advice from members of the band that say like okay hey maybe what if this happened or what if we did a fill here or what if we did a break here um i think everyone's pretty open to talking about it because we've been kind of writing together and doing this project collaboratively so when it comes down to recording and even just kind of um coming up with the arrangements that we're all pretty comfortable um, talking to each other about everything and making suggestions here and there. Yeah. I mean, I think you, I'm sure though it's nice, you know, to all have like the same musical uh, concepts behind it. You know, of course, like variety is nothing frowned upon by any sense, but mm-hmm. to at least have some sort of a, uh, a common ground, you know, to, to branch off from is uh, right. <laughs> certainly makes things a little bit easier. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Well, okay, man. Why don't you take a take a second tell people what's coming up? I know we just uh, put out your most recent single. Uh, let's see, a week ago now, uh, October eighteenth right. was "You Go to My Head." Your next one comes out in in roughly a month afterwards, November fifteenth, I think. That's right. right? That's right. Um, what else you guys got coming up? You guys got shows going on in New York, I'm sure. Or yeah, we've got a show coming up on Wednesday, November thirteenth. That's going to be right before the next single comes out, and that'll be at our uh, monthly residency at the Django. And then in December, we actually gear up for one of our most exciting projects of the year. This is our um, holiday show. And this one's really special in that we, we, uh, we do all sorts of different arrangements of you know, classic holiday tunes. And we have a total of five vocalists. Um, so it's a really awesome show that we you know, only get to do once a year. So we put all of our energy and we arrange all these new tunes every year. Um, and that's on December 11th yeah man that's man there's something about uh holiday music you know besides like the the spirits of the season and everything mm. but jazz holiday music is like is, is killing people put out the craziest <laughs> stuff you know like thinking about the, like oscar peterson's christmas record and and whatnot yeah. or leslie odom jr or who whomever putting it out man um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well look absolutely man, yeah Thanks again, Danny, for for coming on, guys. Thank if you. you haven't checked out their stuff, uh, do so. It's a killing big man. You can find it on you know Spotify, Apple Music, uh, all of that stuff. You got got some YouTube videos up of some of the singles and and some of your guys' past things. So check it out. It's on Danny's website, uh, DannyJanakucci.com. Uh, I mean, you can Google it. They're they're very well uh, located and should not be difficult to find at all. And, uh, thanks again, Danny. Thank you.